who let Pycelle out of the dungeons? <laughs> My lord. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for uh that was very good. That was really good. That was good. very very good. I can good. hear your once luxuriant white beard yeah. rattling around. Did you look at it with no remorse? None. Welcome to Game of Bones, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We're all here today. Zach, oh. I, I do have some news because Pycelle is not the only one who has returned. If uh, you have seen the Game of Owns Twitter recently, I have a another fan favorite has made their return. Uh-huh. Well, you, you care to at fill least in the to audience? the greater New York City area? Yes, our our good friend, great friend, oh, Winter Coo. Oh God, has... you, you took a picture of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> that look, that is his limousine. Yeah. Okay, oh, <laughs> it doesn't look like much. It looks like much to me. I, I like that a lot, actually. Uh, Guess who's back? Our uh, master. Scott and uh, Starcross lover uh, Winter Koo, uh, friend of Micah, has returned. You can't see me, but I can yes. see you. Well, Micah. Uh, I will do my best. I will do my best to uh, get a few words with him, uh, possibly later on this week or early next week. Uh, I haven't seen him. You know, he was just whispering from the trailer slash limousine. But uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be whispering? able to uh, interview him at some point. In, in the not too distant future, uh, Eric is very versed on the sounds that camels make. If you uh, have reported to our chapter two, <laughs> <laughs> won't ask him yes, to, uh, to do that. A nice lady dressed as Sansa Stark in the crow outfit uh, informed me recently that camels make a certain noise when they are actually it's when they're sexually frustrated yeah. when they're not getting getting enough in captivity. Can we just say that? Uh, I, I know that we texted about this a bit earlier this evening. But these two chapters that we have on the show today. Um, yeah, my gosh. Fantastic. So good. Talk about emotions while reading. And I'm not even talking specifically about the Tyrion chapter that was full of those just things. But uh, specifically, I'm thinking about Rob when he was speaking to Ricky Carstark. I was just like, oh, <sighs> the book is uh, literally uh, organized text on a page is making me feel this way. And I'm not even reading it on a book. I'm uh, ebook reading it. And it's still, you know, it's wow. So this will this will be a fun show. I'm really looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually when I reread these chapters for this podcast, I kind of do it right before we record and in a rush. But I took my time. I like gave myself a bunch of time to read these chapters. Lift a few candles. I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, I took a little me time, a little me and Tyrion and Catelyn time. Mm. I'm so glad I did because these are super like jam packed chapters. Did you like draw a bath? Like when she did, she no, threw I didn't, it. I didn't have actually. a pencil. Yeah, <laughs> she's actually quite warm on her couch right yeah, now. So yeah, I'm just, assuming that's where I you described read. in full my couch setup, which will be available for our Patreon. <laughs> 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 wow, it sounds like they're really getting their money's worth. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, I was yeah. about to say <laughs> more uh, on that at the end of today's episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's that's serious bonus content right there. <laughs> And ladies, but, uh, don't worry. We'll get uh, reports of weird. Micah's bathing, bathing. <laughs> Same thing. Actually, I'm pretty sure. Wait, Kate's the only one who hasn't slept on my couch, right? Uh, uh, like Zach and Micah. Both I didn't slept sleep. On well, as far as we know. Actually, I mean, unless she's been to visit I couldn't you. Sleep the whole night. You didn't I was sleep. Terrified. You didn't sleep. I was scared. Okay. Now the train, I can't look, say that I had two out of the three Game of Thrones other hosts Why? on my couch. Why were you scared? Well, first off, there was. I hung up fishnet in the window, and we didn't take it down the whole weekend. <laughs> That's true. We didn't take it. It was kind of staring at Zach. And I put his picture. Saying, Try me on. Seen. I put a picture of him and Theon Greyjoy, Alfie Allen, um, inside of that uh, said fishnet. It was just oh, that's right. a duo of, of, yeah. of death and destruction. I've seen the picture of this fishnet with the photo inside it, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's what actually inspired the film Inception. 
believe it or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> yeah. But can yeah. I say about these chapters, though, just for a second, Eric built them up so much yesterday. I did text you. Is that why you took your time, Kate? Can you credit me for taking <laughs> your time with these chapters? Because I, I texted you. What did I say? Oh, my God. These chapters are so long yes. and awesome. You said oh, you know you what? Said long. I was about to give him yeah. credit, and then he, <laughs> he, he tries it. to get credit from Kate. <laughs> Well, everybody wants credit from Kate. I don't. All right, I gotta, I, I don't you know, at all. There's always so much to go around. That's just the position. But no, these chapters are <laughs> excellent. There's so much. There's so much. Like, Forget where my do we point. even start? Let's just let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Michael, show, everybody. Got our voices mixed up again. Really love the chapters, and we hope that you do too. Uh, remember to spend the next 45 minutes talking about Patreon. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. all right, so much so that I read. It in very small print on my iPhone. Both of these chapters, which are not very short chapters, they're quite uh, girthy, quite sizable, right? Mm -hmm. Compared to others that we've done, you know, recently. So uh, I did. I did go through. I've reread the chapters, and and I was surprised, you know. And and of course, hindsight is twenty twenty on a lot of this stuff, and you pick up more the second time you read through, or you know, in in some of our cases, having seen the TV show, you know. Um, what to expect, but I was really surprised at a lot of um, the subtext that was going on here and, and how much you don't necessarily pick up as a reader the first time around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially when you hear these like these little rumors. There's there's one part, I meant to pull this quote out, but Varys is giving his report on all of the stuff, all the news that's going on across the sea and uh, two countries are at war over something and he mentions that soldiers are bringing back rumors of a three-headed dragon mm. that's been born and Tywin just brushes it off he's like I don't care about krakens or dragons yeah. this is all dumb bullshit <laughs> tell me something that I can use and I was like that's daddy <laughs> she's <laughs> the three-headed dragon that's her that's, that's our so girl cool. <laughs> Also, so the I kraken. Like, I love I love little stuff like that. Yeah, right? the kraken. I don't know if like the kraken ever. If, if that's a, uh, I guess we can talk about this at the beginning of the book series. There's the incident with the direwolf and the stag. They mm-hmm. find the dead direwolf and they have they they collect all of her puppies. Um, and it's it's very symbolic. Once you know what happens later, this this. Uh, clash of these these two families that causes the destruction of the Stark family, pretty much. Oh. Um, and so I wonder if this kraken is another symbol, like what another one of these like animal symbols, or if it's just a cool giant sea monster eating a ship. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it felt pretty real to those guys on that ship. Exactly, <laughs> and it made me think of just just referencing what's been happening. And, and honestly, Mace Tyrell uh, in this chapter, in his very custom Mace Terrell way. I'm just trying to be nice to Mace because I'm sure over the course of this episode, some words will be spoken. He says, wildlings, krakens, and dragons. Mace Terrell chuckled. Why? Is there anyone not stirring? And it made me think, uh, we've spoken so much about all of, all of the uh, magic, if you will, and all of the uh, the wonder and mystery, if you will, that's been stirring. And it's been a theme throughout a lot of the chapters that we've had so far in this book. And even some, you know, something as small as a kraken being spotted for the first time in forever. <laughs> it's just, that's so ominous. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, it's also like one of these things is not like the other, right? Wildlings are human beings. If we were talking about whites, however, and others, you know, that is the threat beyond the wall. I think that wildlings have been as much of a part of like bedtime stories to scare children as, as whites and 
and others and krakens. Like it's just, there's no wildlings just don't happen, especially this far South. Mm. You just don't see them. So there's just, it's like, if you don't brush your teeth, the wildlings are going to come and take you away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's terrifying. Right. Well, that's what I think that, the the southerners yeah. in Westeros oh, yeah. think you of. You know what? That's a good point. I I can see how in a land that's so ruled by uh is it heraldry or the fact you know there's an allegiance to a central king that these this concept of these um godless kingless beings north of the impenetrable wall coming over would be pri- just as scary as zombies maybe. One thing I would say as it relates to a lot of these points is that it it all ties together in the sense that the Lannisters, particularly Tywin, and and then even Cersei uh, could be argued, they don't care a whole lot about what's going on in different parts of Westeros. Mm-hmm. At least in in so much, you know, not as much to the extent that it affects them. Even though at the end of the day, we we know that. There's so many things that are taking place that it ultimately will come together and it will and impact them. And I, I don't think they do a very good job of uh, being proactive. I think they're very reactive, and I'm wondering if that's going to come back to haunt them at all. Whether it's with you know the wildlings or the White Walkers or Danny or the Greyjoys, who knows? But I, I just don't think it's it's good planning on the part of Tywin. And I know, as we see in this chapter, there's quite a lot on his plate. But I, I would think that he's better than that. I think that Tywin is actually, I would argue, Micah, that Tywin is actually being a very, very good strategist in this chapter because of one particular thing that he says. That, like Tyrion brings up the point that maybe we should send the deserters from the the guard, the city guard, to the wall because I remember them saying that they need more defenses. Um, and Tywin's like, no, I'm not worried about that. And Tyrion's like, uh, I think it's kind of a problem if the wildlings come surging south. And Tywin rightfully says, yeah, and then the northerners who are rebelling against us and trying to become their own kings are going to have to deal with that army. Right, so, right. That's that's why I think this is such a great plan is because he's got enemies and all of his enemies are north. He doesn't have anybody he's fighting to the south. Stannis isn't a threat. So he's worried about Rob Stark and the Northerners and the Greyjoys. So he's rightful in thinking like this army will harry the other flank of my enemy and my enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I think he's kind of like, yeah, sure, we they should come because then, you know, they can fight each other and weaken those armies and we can just sweep up the remainder. Yeah, it's a solid idea. strategy. Yeah. I would also disagree that, that Tywin isn't being a good planner. I mean, this whole chapter is about him planning and, and these things that you're saying, like, um, for instance, the wildlings coming over the wall, like he's not concerned because they will. It's the same thing with the alliance um, with the Greyjoys. He's not prepared to commit to it because the Greyjoys are o- already fighting uh, the Northmen, and so it's like it's like he's li- he's letting it go. It doesn't mean it's poor planning. He's just picking and choosing exactly the battles, and the battles that he's chosen to fight involve the marriage of his kids in this chapter, and that seems to be the biggest way that he's choosing now to to kind of win more power. You have to think about the audience he's in front of, for starters. I mean, we're not inside of Tywin's head, unfortunately, like we are mm. inside of Tyrion's head. And I think Micah's point, I think he's, what, what Mike is saying is, 
uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Micah, you are still here. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm interested. Speaking I want to hear. What Micah is saying is that there are things beyond the immediate concern that he could if he reached just a little further into that tactical brain of his, of his, which is obviously leagues ahead of the people that are surrounding him. We've got Tywin Lannister. We've got Kevin Lannister. We've got Cersei. We've got Grand Maester Pycelle. We've got Tyrion. We've got Mace Terrell, Paxter Redwine of Arbor, Mathis Rowan of Golden Grove, <laughs> and the High Septon. I mean, this is a crew that not a lot of people uh, have been around in one collective audience before, uh, let alone Tyrion. So this is a surprise, and this is this is a moment where... I think that they're they're sort of feeling out how this new setup is going to work correctly. And he withheld the information of Rob's marriage, which we find out later in the chapter, which is, I think, a very smart thing to do. But mm. he's not addressing or, or putting the fear out. And maybe he doesn't have the fear inside of himself at all. I mean, all... all Evidence points to him not having the fear inside of himself of things like the Whites and the White Walkers. So if he did zoom out just a tad, I, I do think that when Tywin Lannister is proactive, he is very effective. And we've seen that um, in the show. And we'll see that uh, later in this book, I'm assuming. When he's reactive, yeah. uh, maybe he's he's less effective. I think that's probably the case with everyone. But he was proactive um, in the last book, the very end. And uh, again, later in this book. And so my, my, my point is in the overarching uh, grandeur of the story would him caring more about Daenerys in the east this early on rather than later on be more effective yes would him caring more about the wildlings busting through the defenses in the north be a little bit more important to him is it more effective yes but also there's the whole deal with he doesn't like the alliance that's happening with the Greyjoys necessarily I mean he has the respect in front of these men to still refer to Lord Balon, as everyone is calling him, as King Balon, which I thought was pretty interesting uh, considering his mm -hmm. audience. But he, he's so right in saying, well, you know, if we do have this, if they end up living and they end up uh, conquering the North, great. And if they end up fighting the Boltons and the Starks for us, great, wonderful. But if the Wildlings come through, they're probably going to mop up the mess and then we'll have Mance Raider for a possible ally. So really, mm -hmm. he's just, it's like, he's just letting things fall and not getting involved in the things that he doesn't necessarily need to get involved with. And arguably right now, the stuff with Danny mm -hmm. and the stuff with Mance, does he really need to get involved in it? I'm not sure. Well, no, he doesn't, but I agree. He's very much in the moment and he has to take care of what's the most immediate threat to himself and his family. And he definitely does that. And we see what a great tactician he is throughout the course of this chapter. But I, I think you explained my, what, what I was saying, you know, really well. I, I just, I find it almost, it's interesting to me that, you know, let's say you look at the North or you look at the East. These are, threats that are supernatural in a way, right? The wildlings, not so much, but I'm talking more so about the White Walkers and then Danny and her dragons. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't really know that King's Landing as a whole really puts much stock in that. I don't know that they really believe that there are dragons. I don't know that they really believe in White Walkers. And so I wonder if that's going to be the Lannisters and, and obviously we know what happens to Tywin, but there's other Lannisters that are still around. You know, is there is their reign on power ultimately going to be undone by the fact that they don't put enough behind dealing with 
these supernatural forces and and or at the very least not even believing that they're a threat or the wildlings are a threat even right and the other parts that that you were talking about i you know there's that moment at the at the end of the chapter when tywin seems to know quite a bit about the westerlings and have a, a very deep insight into their family and Tyrion is wondering you know with all the other betrayals that have taken place um you know, against the Lannisters and knowing what's happened to them, why is it that nothing has sort of befallen this family as of late? Right. Yeah. And all the talk about, you know, you know the, the, remember Castamere? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also that moment <laughs> that too where Tyrion is, is recalling that, you know, you know, battles aren't always won with, uh, with swords, right? They're mm-hmm. sometimes are one with with quills, quills and ravens. You're starting to get a feeling that Tywin has more in play here than you realize. So, you know, if at the end of the day he has a means of taking out Rob Stark, why would he even respond that way and saying, "Well, the North can take care of the wildlings," because Rob's not going to be there to take care of them. I did want to uh, mention when when you brought up the Westerlings because that is different in the show. I mean, it's a different family almost. Um, that Rob marries into. And I just found it very interesting learning, you know, kind of parallel of what's, what's going on versus what we saw on the show with the Westerlings, because I'm wondering if there is an alliance. I mean, we know that they were Lannister Bannermen that was pointed out a couple chapters ago, but, you know, are they defying the Lannisters or what, what exactly is the deal here? Because Tywin didn't seem altogether all that upset about it. Although that could also be because of his, we know his budding alliance with the phrase is coming up. Going into this, having seen the show, I, I'm kind of just, well, they're going to die. And if the Westerlings are part of that scheme, horrible. And that may have something to do with his solace on the matter. Fine. But I think largely the, the takeaway from this is he knows Rob breaking that vow to the phrase is nothing but great for their cause. <laughs> nothing yeah. but great. So I can't see him being upset about any of this at all, honestly. My guess is that he's already talked to Walder Frey at this point. My guess is that they already know that Rob is going to have to come back through the neck and that he's he's already made started to make his plans, if not completely cemented them with the phrase. Yeah, because he's so he's so serene about the whole thing. He's he's so like carpe diem, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> and he almost smiled, right? Oh, yeah, that smile. yeah. Oh, that was so exactly. well written. It was. Yeah. Well, of course, Charles Dance smiles on the show, but sometimes yeah. <laughs> I would have never. But you know, to answer your question before, yes, the Westerlings are sworn to House Lannister, mm-hmm. and you know, we got a little bit of backstory in terms of I think it was Kevin, right? Um, one of his sons was going to be promised to to Jane, mm-hmm. and there was that whole issue of them not being of as noble birth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're sort of one of the lower families, and so um, when Rob in you know, the last book storms. I think it's it's in the crag, right where they're, where they're from. Um, that's how this whole relationship comes to be between himself and Jane. And so now here we are with him married to her and having betrayed his oath, which Tyrion is shocked by. By the way, that yep. you know uh, Rob would you know that any son of of Eddard Stark would go against his word and, and betray Damn. this oath that he made to. To Walter Frey. Tywin says that Rob is is very much his father's son, something to that effect. Mm, yeah. Which I mean, which was interesting because he was saying that Rob's honor was to the girl over his own honor. Mm. And I just thought that was so interesting. Uh and it made a lot of sense. And I I'm like I get I get 
where his decision came from, especially being at the, uh, you know, obviously we're going to talk more about Rob when we move on to the next chapter, but getting yeah. to where his, uh, his sense of intimacy is and, and how, how the Starks and just really particularly how, how his father, uh, the kind of example his father would have set. And, yeah. uh, it's just yeah. interesting to see him make those decisions in the face of all of the scrutiny and stuff that's happening. It's funny because it's another example of, Ned Stark, who did never, never did anything but the right thing, it seems like, and who passed that, those values on to his son, who will do the right thing and also lose his head for it. Runs in the family. It does. <laughs> uh, Eric, you were saying something earlier just about the scope of all the different things that this chapter brought versus the show. And I felt that so much when we, when we first went into it. I, I just thought, wow what a scene this would have been in the show it would have given a lot of things away absolutely because that's the nature of what's happening in this scene we've got the small council like i said earlier and all these different people are kind of throwing in their tidbits as taiwan is bandying back and forth with Varys and little finger etc about the state of everything that's happening and it just made me just think about the difference between the show and how so much of what they're speaking about was a complete mystery to us viewers uh, mm. And here in the book, that's not the case. Like, we're getting we're getting a very personable back and forth between Littlefinger and everyone else about his plans to wed Lysa <laughs> and about how he had you, slept with Lysa before a few times and she seemed all right with it. Littlefinger, you, you have the key to the East, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, be- between my legs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got it. I did right think that, that was interesting because they moved from talking about war to discussing the wedding plans for Joffrey and Marjorie. And then directly into a lot of talk about marriages and matches. And it was interesting when Peter said, he's like, I got the key, key to the East in, uh, is, and the key is my dick. Mm-hmm. And, but that's also what they have been using a lot of the women for, you know, with between Tyrion and, and Cersei. Right. Like they're just, they're using, they're using everyone's private parts to, uh, to shore things up. And I thought it was an, I just thought it was nice, a nice change from talking about like, which women shall we marry off to these men so right. that we may solidify these bonds? And instead, Peter's like, I'll do it. Yeah. He raised his Whatever. hand. Yeah. He volunteered actually. And the yeah. Septon approved. He did so volunteer. Go for it. Well, we know he's got his own agenda and Tyrion is, is, is trying to warn Tywin about that, that he doesn't trust him. And it's interesting because the alibi is essentially established already that, that Littlefinger is supposedly going to be gone when Joffrey's wedding takes place. As a favor mm-hmm. to the crown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As an like, honorable totally favor. Best, yeah. Honorable, honorable uh, alibi. There Which is go. interesting because he's the one who's been setting up the assassination. Absolutely. Yeah. And slips the information about the, the Tyrells. Uh, and this is this was obviously after the small council was cleared out and only his children and uh, his brother remained. But it was just interesting to me that, oh, yeah, Littlefinger is the one who ratted out the the plan with, with Lady Elena. It's just like, that's that's all that's like all in the same plan. Asshole. And Tyrion's like, wait, Varys didn't tell you this? <laughs> yeah, Littlefinger? Yeah, yeah. Littlefinger told you this? Yeah, that is – he does bring it up. Well, the other thing about the adaptation of the show, too, is that because they split this book across two seasons, um, a lot of the things that foreshadow – 
to like the wedding aren't going to be brought up in what ended up being season three because that ended with the red wedding and so and not the purple wedding so like little things like the dornishmen coming over the mountains right that are discussed in this meeting you know have to do with doran martell trying to you know settle a score and there's a seat at the council for him you know that stuff doesn't necessarily even um come to fruition at the end of season four so it's 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 so cool to get that kind of insight and of course through Tyrion's mind uh the history between Highgarden and Dorne uh as well in this chapter it's just such a rich world Mm -hmm. and like chapters like this where there's so many so many men with all these different histories it's just really well put in well the Dornish men that are coming over from the south are we know we know who's who's coming with them yeah Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we sure do. Tell your father, we're very, we're very, we're very excited to finally tell our father that that he is here. Yeah, Dad, you're yeah. here. <laughs> I know, son. <laughs> Dad, yeah. But Eric, you you know, it's it's what I was talking about before with, with sort of the subtext and the fact with you know Littlefinger knowing this information. How does he know? I mean, certainly he has his his spies, but. If Varys, and I think that was the whole point of Tyrion saying, wait, Varys didn't tell you this? Littlefinger told you this? And so now, you know, having a bit more information than at least I did the first time reading, you're able to connect the dots a little bit better. And so you draw the line between Ser Dantos and Baelish, um, at least for this one instance. I'm sure there's plenty of other references before the actual Purple Wedding uh shows up in the book. Well, Kate, you were talking about how serene uh, Tywin in is, and I wanted to mention, uh, he even talks about Liza Aaron's kid, right, Robert Aaron, and he says that if Baelish can secure this alliance, he will name young Robert Aaron Warden of the East. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is... But then, then it's also like having somebody who's in your pocket as warden of, like, each of the four cardinal directions like the Lannisters it's it's a power play but at least what impresses Tywin over Tyrion's offer is the fact that Baelish can do it with no bloodshed and the Eyrie is such a normally impenetrable place that you know these marriages he's kind of I don't want to say he's gone soft but he's seeking solutions that don't require a lot of uh bloodshed he trusts Baelish though that's that's the reason yeah so it's a kind of like a character flaw for him well i mean yes and no it's it's kind of hard to ex- to expect anything less out of out of tywin and and Tyrion does a really great job of just illustrating it for us readers like they were talking about the gold that they have sure we'll be fine this is af- again after everyone had left like if because he's telling everyone like yo you guys realize that baelish is you know he's a shady dude you see that goatee and all, all the whole get up <laughs> just it's not trustworthy believe me and then they're like you're right but like we're the lannisters will be fine or or cersei's basically being a little a little shallow about this and she, he's like, well, our gold is mined from the ground, whereas his gold is just, he's just out of thin air, just snaps his fingers and he made all of this stuff happen. Mm-hmm. And that leads me into this, the mindset of what he was saying earlier about Lysa Aaron and him and about how he technically could not have 
have secured a marriage like this no matter how many times they had slept with each other in the past or how much she liked him. The way that this happened was him securing Harrenhal and his lordship and his seat at this title. And Tyrion's like, this guy didn't even have to step foot inside the castle, but just securing this for himself alone uh, and then moving on to, to this next plan. It's just we've got the money out of thin air and how he's dug himself up to be even in this room at all. On top of that, he's being sent on a secret mission from the crown again. I mean, back to back special tasks like he right now is one of their one of their badasses. He's like a CIA agent for Joffrey's (laughs) royalty right now. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's it's weird because he's so low born, though. And like, yeah, he has to maneuver a certain way to get in there. But I wonder why Tywin trust him with such an important you know task he is after all lowborn like isn't there a lannister who can go off and do this but he's not lowborn anymore he's the lord of harrenhal yeah i guess not right i mean and he's getting he's getting stuff done like i said this is he he almost single-handedly brought the tyrell lannister arrangement into fruition i mean he was very good he brought them ned stark like the list goes on of things he's done for and with the Lannisters. This is not the time to question Peter Baelish. You're right. You're right. He has made such a good show by them and for them. And Varys knows this as he yeah. sits in silence. Yeah, Varys he giggles every once in a while. <laughs> Actually, I just wanted to correct one thing that I said earlier when we were talking about the uh, the Westerlings and Eric. You're right that they were a very prominent family, um, but Jane specifically. Um, there is some shadiness in her background there, uh, in terms of her, her lineage and I guess kind of how the Westerlings married, um, in the last, uh, couple of generations. So she specifically is not seen as being a very highborn lady. You're talking about the Magi okay. the family that came over from the East? Yeah, the Spicer. Yes, exactly. uh, the Spicer woman. The Spicer. Get the Spicer. Nope. Um, but I just want, before we get any sort of uh, feedback, right. just say that, you know, you were right. So do you guys think that Cersei was a little too comfortable as Queen Regent? Do you think that she has a right to expect that she's not going to be married off after this? I mean, it's just kind of Tyrion doesn't know whether to laugh or cry for her because (laughs) she's got to get married again. And the number one reason that Tywin states is because, um, God, I wanted to say Barristan Selmy, Stannis Baratheon's rumors of incest keep floating around. And Tywin tells her that the number one way to, to counteract those is by getting married and, and having more kids. I don't think that's the real reason though, right? Well, I mean, is it? I think that for Tywin, it is. I think Tywin's real sick of the rumors yeah. and how it reflects on him and the Lannister. Oh, name. you mean he just didn't want more grandkids? No, <laughs> I, I think she. I think He's she. The has grandfatherly produced... sort. Come here, sit on my knee. <laughs> she has produced quite enough kings for one for one lifetime. That's true. Um, and so I, I think that his his reason about like you're gonna have more kids she's like hell no i'm not he's like oh yeah you are because mm-hmm. <laughs> he has to prove that they're gonna still look like her as much as her current brood does um which of course they probably won't nah. and so it's gonna become very clear it actually might make things worse the incest rumors might get worse because the the baratheon kids look so lannister and then her future kids might look not lannister at all so it's just it's funny because now it's a race against time right jamie has to get back to king's landing to be with cersei before her marriage is consummated beautiful love story 
Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, let it, let them get in there just in the nick of time, and then they can have another blonde kid. Fifty Shades of Ray. Jamie's coming <laughs> home. <laughs> I mean, we know he's out I, there. I also think it's about shoring up the re- uh, the alliance, right? I mean, more so than anything. That's where I am in the, in the picture. I think that's strategy. Super and, strategy. And, you know, essence. we were talking about Tywin's strategy earlier on, but again, this is one of those moments where you know, he had the meeting with the small council and he's like, okay, now we're going to have a family meeting. We're going to talk about, you know, even in even more detail what we need to do in order to keep the Lannister name at the top right. of things, right? And they didn't so, even check to see if Varys had his ear pressed against the door. <laughs> which he, he was probably like under the floorboard or something. Right. Like no, he didn't even leave. He just turned himself into a chair and then just stayed yeah. there like, oh, <laughs> no one looked at him. Yep. He looked. Varys. Oh, gosh. But uh, he even says, right, the the direwolf and the rose will not lie in bed together. And, you know, he's very, very adamant about protecting these. You know, he he wants to bring Dorne and Highgarden together, settle those differences as much as he possibly can. And I think that uh, he's all about making sure that alliances are strong and that the Lannister name is well protected. Mm-hmm. I love this back and forth. It's like almost like he's hitting the Tyrells with the one-two punch after growing so close to them. And they've been such a great piece of the strategy for them to be so successful right now. After what we saw was a, a, a terrible moment in history, well, what could have been very bad, of which Tyrion was congratulated by some of his counterparts early in this chapter, which I, I, I liked a lot, which was his prowess at the Battle of Blackwater. We got to learn that Lancel uh, is also still complimenting him. While Cersei mm. is probably slowly poisoning him in his bed or something, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's he's almost hitting the Tyrells with the one-two punch. Like like I I realize you guys I've heard from Littlefinger that you're trying to marry Sansa off to Willem, and that that's a very smart idea. I am actually impressed that that you guys stood up and did this. But here's what I'm gonna do: I'm gonna offer you. Uh, one of my kids, and then my other kid. I'm gonna marry to Sansa, and since you didn't have the spine to tell me you were making this secret plan, I'm not gonna have to say I knew and then thwarted you, and you're not gonna be able to say that you thwarted me, and then you're not gonna be able to say that I don't trust you. This is beautiful and smart. Like he just he attacks them so hard, and it's so smart. And Mm -hmm. if they would have, you know, been truthful, then it would have never happened. That's why you always tell the truth. You should. You really should. It's also why you don't tell drunken fools. Mike, I love you. Oh, Zach. It came out of nowhere. I like like the end of this chapter a lot because we were talking about earlier the phrase and how his relationship, Tywin's relationship with the phrase is probably already pretty well established. And Tyrion says at the end of this chapter... Um, could the Westerlings and Spicers be such great fools as to believe the wolf can defeat the lion? And then there's this this passage that Eric referred to. Every once in a very long while, Lord Tywin Lannister would actually threaten a smile. Mm. He never did, but the threat alone was terrible to behold. He says, <laughs> the greatest fools are oftentimes more clever than the men who laugh at them, he said. And then, in the same breath, he says, you will marry Sansa Stark, Tyrion, and soon. So that's why I think I think that's further evidence, because he knows if... His pieces fall into place. The phrase will assassinate Rob mm-hmm. and his lady wife and whatever children she might be bury- bearing. But then also, if he gets Tyrion married to Sansa, who will then become heir of Winterfell, then boom, Winterfell's in Lannister control. One one fell swoop. He just takes yep. care of all of that. But getting Tyrion married to Sansa ASAP 
is the key because if Sansa's not married and then she's the heir, then shit'll go crazy. Mm -hmm. But if she's already married to Tyrion, then he clinches it. And how convenient would it be if the men from the far north and all of their majesty came down and destroyed the Greyjoys and some of the other people while they were at it? Just a clear clear path while we're throwing our royal wedding and mending ties with the Tyrells and the Martells. Beautiful. Just, Just beautiful. It's like slow clap. Pretty, pretty little package. You wrapped it up yeah. with a bow. And, you know, he is rewarding Tyrion. I I, I, I am very um, pleased with Tyrion's honor and his sense of humanity in regards to marrying Sansa, which in, in this chapter is, is almost word for word with the show. We get a lot more back and forth between Tywin and Tyrion. And Tywin mm-hmm. seems to be coming across with an amount of honesty that he really did think that Tyrion would appreciate this reward. And I think that most other men in this horrible world would have, would have danced at this opportunity mm-hmm. would have Charles, they would have Charles moonwalked. Danced. Yeah. This <laughs> opportunity they, they would have, but it's just, it's great to see that, that, that that's not the case here. And of course that's, we've come to expect nothing. And like less from Tyrion can't catch a break. Otherwise, like this in the scene, Tywin often tells Tyrion of his shortcomings, but, you know, years ago when he tried to marry Tyrion off, he tells Tyrion in this chapter about all of the men who said no, about all the other families and houses that wouldn't take him. And it's, for once, it's not to, like, berate and make Tyrion feel like shit. It's actually just to get across to him that, hey, this is a good, like, prize. Like, you're you're going to have a lot of power. You're going to have a house that's going to be away from here, which I know you want, all this other stuff that appeals to Tyrion. And I feel like it's it's a strong sell. It, it is a strong sell, not to mention that Sansa isn't herself all too bad looking. And, you know, she likes silks and tall, gallant chivalry. knights. The chivalry. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, it's it's almost the uh, the uh, plight of the entrepreneur. It's like you fail, you fail, you fail, you, you face adversity, and then boom, Ned Stark's daughter is going to marry you, buddy. It's like yeah. Yeah, you literally could have gotten like Marjorie Tyrell is 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 a is a is definitely an option. Uh, it's like in, in in Westeros, like who's who? Like she's definitely, I guess, right now, you know, the hot the hot button topic. But Sansa Stark is Sansa Stark. That's Ned Stark's kid. Like, let's be real here. That's the real prize. Yeah, and I think too when he's talking about Tyrion marrying. Sansa and he's being so kind he's being so generous it's just another we're talking about how he was so serene earlier about the rest of what's going on and he's just like ah things will work themselves out Mm -hmm. I'm not too worried about anything um he's just Tywin's having a great day yep (laughs) Tywin Lannister has a great day Uh he's in such a good mood I think that George was in a fantastic mood when he wrote this chapter just just with (laughs) with the comic relief that is Mace Tyrell I mean, jeez! I know this Mace whole chapter was full of was full of it. What a goof! What a goofball! <laughs> Back and forth with Littlefinger. I feel like I would just I wanted to be in this room, just kind of like laughing and looking around at people, or or at least <laughs> like put the Red Viper in this room just to catch the shade between Varys and Littlefinger. Just Littlefinger referencing his own his own uh, throbbing need to key, satisfy key. the kingdom. <laughs> like just all of <laughs> throbbing it. Throbbing need to. Satisfy <laughs> all of it was. It was fun. It was really fun. And it, and, uh, it's a great chapter. It just like I said, it said so much more in the show that was left off for mystery. Um, unlike the next chapter that I'm going to very horribly transition into, um, they just watch the show. Just yeah. go watch the show because it's basically <laughs> the same thing happens. Except I don't think you have uh, Brendan Tully as much involved in it 
or Ed Mirren. Oh, God. When they busted through, when he was talking to Karstark, like, you know, doing his whole roaring at him, like, oh, shit, like, that's the king right now. And then the blackfish bursts in. It's like, oh, dude, Mm -hmm. this is great. This was a wonderful scene. I know. I sound really unintelligent right now but it's my it's my pure boyish excitement for how good it was yeah this was a rough chapter this was rob doing something that is not in his character i don't believe it's not in his nature to punish people so horrifically but rickard Carstar kind of pushes him to it oh, gosh. he mm-hmm. even says like oh the king's gonna give me a scolding before he forgives me because that's how the king in the north rules his kingdom like i feel like just then uh, that was what's that was what decided it i was like well yeah. now you gotta die or should i say the king who lost the north the king who no, lost yeah, the north. yeah yeah he's just talking mad shit like he <laughs> he wanted it's true he, he wanted that death sentence he he earned himself a he death did. sentence because he was not only talking mad shit, but in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. It's such a no win. It's such. It's such. Because at that time, I mean, Ricard Karstark sends all his men away. Like Rob has lost. This is the chapter where Rob loses everything. I mean, except his life, which happens soon enough, right? I mean, with Karstark's men gone, you know, just to the not to the. I wanted to say the phrase, but they're not going to the phrase. They're going just to the phrase. They're fraying out um, from <laughs> River Run. <laughs> like his men are That's gone the fray men are gone there's a lot of phrase <laughs> in this chapter the fray men left in the last catlin chapter uh and they trampled rob's banners and now with what he has to do for karstark who forces his hand it's just it's the end of rob it's the end of the king in the north it is 100 percent. it's just all gone now but he had to do it he absolutely had no other choice if he wanted yeah. to maintain any level of respect like respect if he expected anybody to ever take him seriously he absolutely had to do what he just did yep this is the beginning of the chapter and this is what catlin is saying and this is what set up our entire mood and i I wanted to set up the mood for you listening at home so here it is they carried the corpses and upon their shoulders and laid them beneath the dais a silence fell across the torchlit hall and in the quiet catlin could hear Greywin howling half a castle away he smells blood she thought through stone walls and wooden doors, through night and rain, he still knows the scent of death and ruin. What a way to to to, to bring us into these two young boys being laid at their feet, obviously murdered in a brutal way. Just lay, the, the the stab wounds that had been washed clean, and the one that was obviously killed in his sleep. Uh, I mean, not only did Rickard Karstark. I mean, I know that's what we were just talking about completely disrespect the king in front of some of his highest ranking officials, but he organized this. Yeah. Should have been an omen. Catelyn chapters always tend to start out as a super buzzkill, but this is like the worst <laughs> one. There's never, there's never, you're such a buzzkill. There's never a Catelyn chapter in the entirety of this book series that starts out in like a birds are singing kind of way. <laughs> the first time you meet Catelyn, she's like, I hate John. Uh, I, I hope, I just, <laughs> basically, she's like, I think literally the first time you meet her is right after she and Ned have just copulated. And she's like, I hope, my oh, I, hope I can give him a son. No, I no. haven't given him enough children yet. After they've yet. boned down. Yeah, after they've boned down. Um, but like it never. And then that's when they get the letter from Lysa saying that the Lannisters. The letter from Hogwarts. John oh, man. And I think so, you're like, onto something, Kate. I she's think. just a fucking bummer. She's every time she's yeah. she every time that you like have a perspective chapter from Catelyn, 
you just like, oh boy, well, the next hour of my life is going to be Well, sad. oh boy was really my reaction too, because she, there's these two young boys who are brought in, the corpses of two young boys are in front of her. And Brutal. for a second, because obviously before the scene is properly set, I'm like, what? Did they, are these supposed to be Bran and Rickon? Like, she calls it back to them, but no, it's just these hostages. And that goes back to Karstark's whole thing that he did. And I'm just like, what did this accomplish, really? Because, nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. It's the worst thing. It's like for such a stupid reason. And Rob can't even figure it out because he's like, they were not the ones who were responsible for Karstark's kids. Like, the Kingslayer did that. So you're going to go kill his kin, blood playing for blood, all that stuff. Just a terrible situation. Not to mention the fact that it's Catelyn's point of view, which makes it suck even more. Yeah, and that, this, it's just that's that's one reason why it felt so horrible. Because it's like not only did we just leave a chapter where there's some some clearly heightened strategy going on against someone in the family that we we like so much, but this just out of nowhere catastrophe has to happen. We've are, we're already dealing with the fact that the last time we were with Cat. Jane Westerling got thrown into the mix, and, and and we knew then, even if we hadn't watched the show, that that's going to stir some shit up. But but really, this has to happen. You have to lose the Karstarks, your arguably closest people in your setup. It's just ah man, it's rough. I just think that you know, to your point, Zach, that these chapters are tied very well together because mm-hmm. you know you leave the last chapter on a note very high for the Lannisters. Right? They're planning everything that they need to plan. They want to execute and hope that things work out in their favor and you know you're you're wondering sort of behind the scenes what's going on that has Tywin so giddy and not that he can be giddy but let's assume that he could be <laughs> uh, he was giddy at the wedding not you know he'll never be Varys giddy right but he'll 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 be close to it uh and so now you're starting to see maybe some of what uh, Tywin w- was was banking on you know clearly he didn't see foresee a situation like this but you know uh, there's a lot of things that are happening now is particularly in Rob's camp and and you know th- as Eric pointed out you know, th- this is really the end of Rob it's the beginning of the end right and and it started when he decided to marry Jane and now he has one of his most important bannermen part of his part of his actual lineage right as we learn in this chapter mm. that is now leaving him who who curses him as rob is about to you know behead him uh and i think that you know this is just it's unfortunate to see and you're, you're yes kate you're seeing it all through this miserable woman's eyes <laughs> but the the other thing to tie in you know we they mention um particularly is a willem lannister at the end of last chap of the last chapter, when they're talking about potential suitors for Jane Westerling, uh, and you know because he is Kevin's son, uh, but and now here we have him not more than a couple of pages later lying dead uh, at the hands of Rickard Karstark. So pretty good, pretty good writing. I, you know, I think this guy George he knows what he's doing a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. have a question for you guys. Do you think that there is any way that this whole Rickard Karstark situation was actually orchestrated by Tywin Lannister. Let no. me elaborate. Mm. Let me elaborate. Jeez. Please. Okay. No, oh, I thought it was a simple <laughs> question. Like, no. Well, that was just my gut reaction. It wasn't informed. So please, right. please, oh, please don't go Don't say on. gut. It makes me think of pizza. Because. What? Sorry. <laughs> I expect like a fight. Sorry. The, the hostages that are, that were the ones who were assassinated were Lannister hostages. 
Um, and clearly, I don't think Tywin would have been interested in his family being assassinated for any reason. He's very family-oriented. Mm-hmm. However, this move, this single move to these the like kill these kids and to cause Car Stark's ex- execution at the hands of Rob Stark and force him back toward the neck is exactly what Tywin Lannister wants to happen. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's one of the reasons why it hurts so much. And if he had something to do with it, I mean, damn. We know he's ruthless. And he was in a very good mood, which seems to indicate he knows that his plan is coming to fruition. So I know it's a little bit far-fetched. I'm not saying that this is what I think. I'm just saying, is there any kind of connection that you guys can see there? Hmm. Besides the fact that, I mean, Tywin has everything to gain from this. Like I, I, exactly. I don't, I don't know if there's enough like evidence to say that it was orchestrated by him. It certainly works in his favor, but I, I'm, I'm more willing to chalk it up to luck. And you know, I wanted to say the other thing that happened that's greatly in the Lannisters' favor is the release of Jamie, which is sheerly because Catelyn had you know a moment of weakness or two or three, and you know the Lannisters were from King's Landing keeping the secret that they had lost Arya, and as well as the fact that they have Sansa. Like, by not letting Catelyn, or like, but basically not being utterly forthcoming about where the Stark girls are at, or what state they're in, they affected the release of the Kingslayer, which they didn't count on, but it's it's kind of like the exact same situation as what I'm saying, where right. Tywin may not have planned it, but it's certainly working for him. And then also because the Kingslayer is not there, that's why Karstark even did this, and he blames Catelyn. He says, the, their blood is actually on your hands. And Rob, you should look at your mom, because that's whose fault this is. And it all it's like it's all tied in, but I know that Tywin didn't plan on... Jamie being just released like that. And so I have to say that this is probably an extension of that same running thing that Catelyn did to screw Rob up. It just doesn't seem fair that the Lannisters should be, should be so damn lucky. I know. <laughs> well, maybe they're not. I mean, maybe to your point, there there is something to be said for that. I mean, and, and normally I would think with a plan along those lines, you would have clues leading up to it. And I think we haven't really seen anything of, of that sort, but... It's certainly an interesting theory because, to your point, it pushes Rob in the direction of the twins, which we know for a fact that Tywin has been in you know cahoots with Walder Frey, uh, in in you know writing those letters, and then of course what happens at the Red Wedding. So, I, I just think he got a, a little bit of luck there. I mean, I, that that's just my feeling. Like, Karstark mm. was so enraged by what Catelyn did and that he never really got over it. And I think that the fact that the man who was responsible for his son's death was allowed to go free, a, a, an enemy, uh, you know, a clear enemy of, of Car Stark and, and Stark alike, and, and, and that there was there was no retribution for it. I mean, and he, he took matters into his own hands and he knew the position that he was going to be putting Rob in by, by killing uh, these hostages, a fray and a Lannister. And yeah. so I think that, you Shit. know, look, we don't, we, we, Walder, is he going to care much about a fray? No, there's like 17 million others. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but I think this fray is also r- related to the Lannisters as well. Right. So right. 
Um, it's Tywin's sister's son, I believe. So again, this is a direct blow against the Lannisters. And I, I again, I, I just, I can't see Tywin doing that against his own family, killing two of his own family members, however young or insignificant they may be. Because he values yeah. the blood over everything else. I think that makes the most sense. So Karstark is just like disenfranchised. Like he just does, he no longer backs the king in the north. He's withdrawn his support. When he goes and does this, he just doesn't believe that it's like he doesn't believe the system works anymore. I mean, is it because that Catelyn got off in his mind easy? Like, yes. I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think back to when it, when the last time was that Rob could have turned this around, because at the time of this chapter's occurrence, at the time of this chapter's occurrence, um, it is it is because of that, though, because I feel like it's says, all there's nothing that Rob can do anymore. Like, it's just one impossible situation after the other. And so is it like, should Rob have killed Catelyn? Should that have been what happened? Should he have put her to death? Well, he certainly shouldn't have uh, been like, well, you know, love and stuff makes people do crazy things. Here's my <laughs> wife. <laughs> I'm sorry. Karstark, Jumping on couches. Unfortunate. Yeah. He does have a valid point, though. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, you know, it's, it's, you know, a crime to kill your enemies, but not a crime to set them free, you know? And, and so... He's absolutely focused on what Catelyn did, and and he's pissed off about it. He never got over it. So he, when he got the opportunity, he took it. These are mistakes from the Northmen. Cat made a grave error. Rob made a grave error, not giving mm-hmm. the respect that the situation deserved. And Rickard Hardstark made a grave error that led to him being killed by mm-hmm. acting like a fool, just like them. Mm-hmm. None of these people stepped up inside of themselves and took a moment and zoomed out and just looked like, I understand that I'm reacting due to my emotions, but maybe I should be more like Tywin Lannister, or maybe I should be more like Peter Baelish and learn not to be so reactive on things that I feel so strongly about. And I understand that this is some serious stuff, so it's easier said than done, but as we've seen, all of these mistakes lead to terrible things in this world. It's it, These are not small stakes they're playing at. And in a lot of cases, yeah. they're controlling the lives of hundreds and thousands of other people. Well, let me lead you guys on a thought experiment here. I mean, if Rob had, if, Car- if Rickard Karstark really wants, like, Catelyn to have paid for letting Jamie go and say that Rob, I don't know, sentenced her to death. Like, what ramifications would that have had on Rob's rule as king in the North? You can't, surely can't kill your own mother can you well Rick, rickard karstark does point out that he is still kin and rob kills him anyway so you might just be a, a different flavor of kinslayer so maybe it's not that different mm. killing your own mom is matricide which is karslayer um yeah you've been <laughs> but, but look what she did a lot of this just goes back to rob's youth he's he's not fit to lead in that sense like he's great in battle He's never lost a battle, right? That we know yeah, of. Right. Yeah, right. But I think he's too young, and he does. He's not surrounded by the right people, and I think if he was, these types of situations probably wouldn't have happened. And you know, or if he was just a little bit older, you know, if he, if he maybe he's ten years older, a lot of this stuff just doesn't happen the way that it, that it plays out. But I think youth is definitely a factor here, mm. and, and we learn as much in sort of I would say his speech when when Brendan Tully enters the room they they leave the car stark situation as it is and this is where and this is again like micah said earlier this is almost word for word that it is in the show and i truly think that especially after reading it that it was portrayed so well and captured so well 
um, the moment where he's telling the man that watch, like, let the watcher watch all the rest of them be hung first. And yeah. Great John Umber's like, you want me to hang all of them? He's like, yeah, I don't even want the people that are already dead, the three guys that you already killed. I don't want them in my uncle's river. Like, uh, he's young and he's making some pretty <laughs> bad mistakes, but you cannot argue that Rob Stark doesn't have a great head on his shoulders for the time being. Like, he is, he, he is commanding <laughs> and he's making shit happen and, uh, he's yeah. something that his mom should be proud of. So anyway, he's making this plan. Well, maybe we can talk to Aunt Lysa and, and try to at least maybe if, if we can't have the Knights of the Vale join us, maybe we can at least get through the bloody gate and sail north and use their harbor and make stuff happen. There's ships at Goldtown. There's the high, the high road is not hard. Like all these, we could flank Moat Kalen. You know, these are good plans. And Blackfish is just like, dude, man, it's too far gone. Not to mention, Tywin's probably planning some stuff. Not to mention, we just left a room to where you're probably going to have to kill one of our top bannermen. Yeah. Like, this is, a, Catelyn, this is a rough situation. She says, I'm going to treat you like a man. Lysa is not coming to your aid. Yep. At all. And <laughs> then At like, all. You need to face this fact. That's a boy moment for him right there. Like, oh, maybe Aunt Lysa will help out. And Catelyn's <sighs> like, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. He grew up in a time of peace is the other problem. Like, all these men... Car Stark and them either fought with Ned at the fork and, and Robert and led, the, you know, the rebellion, which only happened, what, 15, 16 years ago. Um, you know, but, but Rob grew up kind of in a time of peace. And so there are things that he just isn't prepared for, no matter how battle sure he is. Um, but from the minute he takes up the sword or commands all those men to death, I feel like he does everything right. I mean, it's just, it's just an impossible situation. It's not enough, and that's what he's he's self reflecting on when he's when he's sort of doing his bit when he's talking about he's he's saying like these this guy rode with me his sons died of the whispering wood he, he kneeled he is with those yeah. dudes shouting king in the north with glee and vigor you know <laughs> he was one of our and and this is happening and he's like okay so I kill them will the Lannisters thank me for Lord Rickard's head will the phrase and I just, this is a great moment. I just feel like in, in, in George's writing, like there's so much emotion going on here and it's so simple, but Brennan just says no, blunt as ever. And it's just like, and then you've got Edmer, which I understand so much, my sullied friends uh, and the, the writers on the sites that we work with that uh, talk so much about Edmer Tully and how much he's just a shit disturber and just, they just don't really like him. Like he really showed his feathers in this, in this chapter, not to mention he has been this whole book, but he's like all the more reason to spare Lord Rickard's life. Keep him hostage. And Rob's just like, and this is directly in the book. It says Rob reached down with both hands, lifted the heavy bronze and iron crown and set it back atop his head. And suddenly he was a king again. Lord Rickard dies. Yeah. So I have another question for you guys. Do you think that this is sort of a broad question? There are only two Stark children that never get a perspective chapter, so far as we know. Um, one of them is Rob, the other is Rickon. Rickon is like a baby, so it it's sort of understandable. You don't necessarily care about what a kid that young uh, has to say for five pages, but um, <laughs> Rob, Rob is kind of a major character, and we never get a perspective chapter from him. And I wanted to ask you guys why you think that George R. R. Martin made that choice. So it's called the War of Five Kings, right? Isn't Stannis another one of the main contenders who doesn't have a point of view chapter? Like, because right now we're seeing Stannis through Davos, and I'm wondering if like that wasn't the point though, is to like have these major players that you just can't 
Like, you know, kind of like, because it gives you such um, power to be inside these characters' heads, you know, like the major players. In fact, even Joffrey, is there one of the five kings that whose head we do get in? Mm-mm. Is it? I don't think so. We don't get in Renly's. No, I don't think so. We don't get in Renly's. But that could be, so like, maybe that's the thing. It's like, maybe the the five contenders or whoever, however many there are, we do get inside Danny's head. She'd be like the sixth, you know, contender. But I mean, I'm trying to say that, uh, maybe that's kind of just George's deal that he, he found it maybe even more interesting to explore the minds of the people who follow these guys or who have in this, in Catelyn's case, who have mothered this guy. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I like that theory. It's a storytelling device. I mean, just like the show, like I was saying earlier, uh, left out so much of the, of the, of the conversation that brought so much to an obvious front and the small council. It's it's a way that with a book where you have to, I mean, literally things that they eat are described in glorious detail. So how do you how do you keep that that enough of a mystery, enough of a curiosity for the reader to keep flowing? And I think not knowing exactly what Rob is doing when he disappeared for the whole day after beheading Lord Rickard the next morning um, is indicative to uh, more of a fantastical element and more of a mysterious element in the storytelling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Catelyn yeah. is no one to shake a stick at. She's, she was the wife of Ned Stark and she is the mother of all of these kids. And Tyrion, again, he's, he's a playboy Lannister. Like he's going to get married to Sansa. Like he's the master of coin. <laughs> he was the hand of the king at one point. Like all of these people, yeah. Daenerys, she's the mother of dragons. Like these people that we do have are like the badass who's who of Westeros and Essos. So it's it's interesting. Uh, and it's a good question. I have no qualm with the people that we actually get perspective chapters for. Right. It's just it's just interesting that every other one of the Stark children has perspective yeah. except Rickon and Rob. Um and Rob being such a major, very, very sentient person. It seems like he he it's like a conscious choice. But I think the theory that these the kings are always the ones that are like those are the ones that people tell the stories about in other fantasy books. Mm-hmm. And to have us not know what those kings are thinking for once is very it's a very George thing to do. Smart. It's interesting though that we see we see two kings, right? Renly and uh Rob, mostly through Catelyn's eyes. Mm-hmm. And they both die. So <laughs> Well, everything uh, for Catelyn is terrible. Who else just yeah, yeah, there you go. Just adds down. adds more fuel. Oh, Baylor, uh, sorry, to buddy. The fire. She's met you. I I don't know that we'd want to see from Joffrey's perspective. I would. He'd be like, today sucked. I didn't have any wine until 3 p.m. And so I <laughs> cut myself. I killed four room. squirrels with my dagger. I put three men to death because they looked weird when I went outside. <laughs> the end. <laughs> uh, the diary of Joffrey Baratheon. And Balin's just not as big of a, a player right now. Oh, and Balin. Yeah. Which we got to see through Theon. And Mance yeah. is kind of one too, but again... Not a point of view character. Right. So again, the next morning, uh, it happened and it was much like the book, except he used a pole arm and, uh, it took a few hacks, but he was killed on the first swing. Yeah. Uh, I said much like the Which book. Which is good like luck, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rob's got some, some good luck coming his way. It's a bit. He did not use, he did not use a pole arm. He used a pole axe. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> a pole arm would not do much as far as chopping a man's head off. Uh, well, obviously a pole axe didn't <laughs> either. Obviously, obviously. Hold on. I gotta look this up. <laughs> Because I know what a pole arm is, and I can't believe I just said that. Well, you know, pole arm is kind of it's like a naganita. <laughs> I love no. medieval weaponry. I mean, I really okay. have to say that I admire Rob Stark's re or not reaction, but 
just how he he's solemn for the rest of the day and i think it's because he knows everything all is lost but he just kind of is secluded and moody but i think it's it's perfect to show that his character is somebody i, I mean it gets sympathy i think from the readers to know that this boy is profoundly moved by what he just had to do but he knows that it was what he had to do. Absolutely. And he held his ground. He had salt throughout all of this, which I respected much. And I think that George obviously respects Rob, his character. When uh, Richard Karstark is like, oh, gods are the new. It does not matter. Like, he's like, no man is accursed as the Kinslayer. Like, he keeps give, he keeps just talking back to him as Rob is telling him to kneel. And yeah. he's being very respectful. And Rob just retorts. He's like, he goes, kneel, traitor. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, damn. Well, it's like uh, that old saying by ned right he who passes the sentence should swing the sword mm-hmm. i mean I, I i just feel like again we talked about but in both these chapters ned has some bearing on current events like the man of ned stark the mystery um has influenced the way that these characters interact with each other or see the world and with rob i mean it gets to the point where he's of course not distant but he's unresponsive to jane and then she goes and seeks out Catelyn's advice. Catelyn, how do I get your your son to respond to me? Um, Give him a space, right? That's yeah. pretty much, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but that's pretty much like all relationship advice, right? Just give mm-hmm. him space. I really like what Catelyn tells Jane, too, that it's that it just kind of um, going back to her own history and learning that these Stark men will like just need space. They'll come around. They'll warm to you you just need to be there when they bring their troubles to you like they will seek you out it's just i don't know some really good mother would be daughter-in-law well i guess she is the daughter-in-law advice her grace is really good for also you should give him sons yeah Yeah, big babies we're trying like two or three times a day two or three times (laughs) there's this paste that i put on and some (laughs) drinks that i drink and we're making it happen well and that's suspect too find the time robbie i know that you're running a kingdom and, and, and that you're busy, buddy, but you're newlyweds. Twice a day, bud. Step it up. Step it yeah. up. <laughs> I, I, new, newlyweds. Newlyweds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. He has like Pete Bannerman to kill, you know? Yeah, he's got a war to run. Yeah, execute. Did anybody else find that a bit suspect, though? Why Why do you find that suspect? Well, uh, just knowing the way the last chapter ended around discussion related to the Westerlings and the fact that uh, oh, Could it be a Tywin is, plot? drinking certain things does she really know what she's putting into her body is it yeah. helping her get pregnant or could not tywin, helping her could, get yeah pregnant? could tywin like have called his banners including jane's mom who's like making her this stuff and been like hey give her some other stuff what if tywin is rob stark Whoa. what if he's jane's mom we don't ever see them in the same room at the same time true. speaking that's of true. that i really think that balon Greyjoy, rob stark and tywin would Totally get along and drink together very well. <laughs> Just saying. Write in let me know if you agree. So this chapter ends really happily with Jane, I guess, fully expecting that she'll start to get pregnant any day now. And it's interesting because I know that back when we were, you know, watching The Red Wedding and, of course, what happens to Rob's wife there, uh, the stabby stabby to the belly – um, doesn't actually happen in the books from what I remember you guys saying. And that right. interests me because this chapter allows the reader to be a little hopeful that there might be 
like a son or daughter of Rob Stark somewhere in the future. We can only hope. Yeah, it, it's it's certainly very different in the show, and um, obviously Jane does not go with Rob uh, to the Red Wedding. Um, there was actually some strategy behind that planning in that didn't want her to be in the same place as him. That's uh, smart. Should anything bad happen. So, so surely it's coming to up in like a, a forthcoming chapter where Rob will get smart and do that, right? <laughs> in the show, we have Talisa, right? And and I think part of what Benioff and Weiss and the director of that episode were going for there was, was to provide a little shock value for the book readers. Because I don't, I, while certainly we knew that she was going to die because, you know, pretty much everybody there uh, does in fact die, uh, you know, to see her, you know, baby or unborn baby uh, being stabbed that way was certainly uh, a shock. And so, you know, we're, we're going to have some, some pretty significant differences in plot moving forward. So it's going to be fun to now kind of break away from what we know the show to be and, and focus more so on what the real story is. Yeah. It's just, it's just the happy ending of this chapter that makes me really worry, like interested in knowing where that plot line is going to go in the books. Well, Eric, you may be interested to know that today's episode, much like this chapter will end happily with owns. <laughs> we'll begin this happy ending with Owens. my own goes to the one and only point of view character. Tyrion. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, his italicized thoughts. So maybe that's not directly giving it to him. Oh, no, it is, but I would agree. I would tend to agree with you. Uh, it's when he first, he first sits down uh, at the small council and he says, too many strange faces, too many new players. The game changed while I lay rotting in my bed and no one will tell me the rules. Oh. <sighs> that was a good. Oh man. I'm going to give my own to the Kraken that ate a ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> well, enough said there, Captain <laughs> Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> I'm going to eat old bushel of apples. Barbosa. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. My own for this chapter. Oh, man. Where do you even begin? This truly was a chapter full of some fabulous things. I'm going to have to give an honorable mention. Why not? to uh, Littlefinger, who is talking about um, Rob and the stuff that's going on uh, up in Harrenhal and one of his bannermen. He goes, I ought to write Rob Stark a stern letter, Littlefinger was saying. I understand his man Bolton is stabling goats in my high hall. It's really quite unconscionable. <laughs> so there's one. Uh, and that wasn't my actual own. My actual own is um, from Tywin, believe it or not, who was full of them, but this one particularly tugged at my heartstrings or something like that. He's he's uh, asking Tyrion, why aren't you okay with this? I always tell you no to everything. I also remind you all the time that you killed your mother in birth and that you're small and that you're not very good looking like the rest of us. But instead, right now I'm trying to help you out. And he goes, why indeed? A quirk of mine, strange to say, I would prefer a wife who wants me in her bed. And Tywin says, very quickly, might I add, he says, if you think your whores want you in their bed, you are even in greater fool than I suspected. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good line. Ouch. That's rough. 
rough. Yeah. I am my own is also for Tywin, basically for inserting children of his or grandchildren of his into every nook and cranny and <laughs> sealing all the deals with the different like he's getting in between the plot to Mari Sansa to Willis Tyrell by marrying Sansa to Tyrion and Willis to Cersei. It's perfect. And then also sending Baelish to do his thing. So yeah, t- Tywin uh plotting in all of those ways, with wedding and not war, uh, not battle. That is, that's so, it's just so cool to see that chapter unfold. I guess own for Willis. Yeah, <laughs> own for Willis for being a boy who by all reports, like, is just so awesome and likes to read and breeds nothing but the finest animals. Yeah, honorable Survived mention to run Willis. in with the Red Viper. I mean, yeah. Oh, well. There is that um, BS. Uh, so definitely honorable, another honorable mention to, to Willis. So not to bring the mood down, but there there was a Catalan chapter, and if I'm correct, <laughs> there were a stream of owns inside of that chapter. <laughs> oh man, I know that one of you is going to pick mine. I know, I know it. So you go first, so we can't pick it. I can't. Oh, that's a good idea. I introduced it. You guys go first. I'll go first. By all means, I'll go after you. Okay, my own is actually going to go to Jane Westerling. Yes, because. I don't think that she'll get very many other owns, for one thing, but also because I honestly believe that she has Rob's best interests at heart Mm. and may actually carry the best chance at his future, (laughs) considering we know what happens in his more immediate future. Um, And she's she's just really interested in being a good wife and giving him a kid and being being an excellent queen. Um, And she's clearly not equipped for any or if like any of them i don't i don't think she's she's very good at them <laughs> but she's she's trying and she's doing the best she can so yeah good on you jane westerling that was fabulous thank you my own goes to the great john umber yeah this dude i'm saying this guy made me i think i've like whooped when, when, uh, cause, uh, Rickard Karstark is like, in, in war you kill your enemies, didn't your father teach you that boy? And Great John's like, boy! It's in italics, <laughs> like, he's pissed. <laughs> it yeah, says, the Great totally. John dealt Rickard Karstark a buffet with the, <laughs> basically what happens, he, he just decks the dude, knocks Karstark to his knees, knocks out his tooth, and then what I imagine, he just starts, like, as Karstark's being disrespectful throughout the rest of the chapter, he's just like picking up, like, table like stuff off the table like plates and like goblets and he's just beating the <laughs> shit out of this guy because he's talking he's talking shade to the king of the north and i just thought man you he passionately follows his king and i respect that yeah totally i do yeah that's a good one they're like total opposites at this point right i mean ricard just doesn't care for the king anymore but great john umber still does loyalty um speaking of that king that he likes so much that's my own to the non-point of view character of rob stark doing what must be done even though the battle is over um you know for more basically he still goes through the motions he doesn't curl up in a ball or think about going and trying to befriend theon you know (laughs) or any of the that other crap that he he is noble and he has a course and even if he is marching straight to his death he's gonna do it because he's honorable he is his father Ned Stark's son. I'm I have a tear because that's the greatest own you've it's ever given. Beautiful, it's beautiful. I love that. My God. And to uh, complete a true Catalan chapter, 
I will give the uh, the last remaining words of one Lord Rickard Karstark, oh, wow. who just says, "Kill me and be cursed. You are no king of mine." <laughs> oh. And his curse comes true. Oh man! He's Spoiler a witch. alert. <laughs> <laughs> Burn him, grab your torch pitchfork. Oh, he's already dead. Uh, let's kill him in again anyway. So those are our owns. I have to say this was a broad selection and uh, two magnificent chapters. And uh, what better would breed some of the just, – just a really great selection of owns sent in from you guys. And it's been exciting past few weeks because the book is, is fun and interesting. And there's stuff happening in the community. There's, there's news that's popping all around that we won't go into because we just don't have enough time. And why even talk about that stuff? You guys can look it up yourselves. My friend Eric, uh, who you all know, who's been here on the show this whole time. Say hi, Eric. Oh, hi, everybody. <laughs> he has whittled and honed a skill unlike no other. And if you're listening, you may be asking yourself, Zach, what are you, what are you talking about? Eric is fabulous at starting off our segment of displaying and portraying the owns and things you have sent in. Eric, please take the stage, sir. Well, everybody, thank you for sending in your owns for the Catelyn and Tyrion chapters that we got this week. First, we go over to Facebook, where Jared Kozal has given us an own for each of the chapters. For Tyrion, Tywin owned this entire chapter. He shored up key alliances, arranged a few marriages, and he browbeat his grown children into compliance with just the right mix of logic and contempt. He even threatens to smile. He does actually threaten to smile. <laughs> He didn't quite he smile. Does. He does. He does threaten to smile. And Jared's own for Catelyn. Own goes to Rob Stark. Yeah, for trying so damn hard to be the good king. Just, loyal, and brave in the face of everything going to absolute hell. The Game of Thrones operates on a strict pass-fail system. You win or you die. So no A's for effort and good intentions won't earn you much. But they will you earn you an own from me, there you go. Jared and Rob. <laughs> BFS. Jared doesn't pass out his own lightly, ladies and gentlemen. No, he does not. Now we're heading over to uh, the Tweety Bird, uh, or the Raven, I guess, would be more appropriate for uh, for this podcast. But uh, <laughs> this one comes from Jen Wyman, a frequent tweeter of the show. She says, finally catching up. Thanks for the entertainment while I clean my apartment. No problem. You're welcome, Jen Wyman. No problem. We, we like to be of service to people as they clean their apartments uh, and do many other things in their life. Uh, so. <laughs> Those emails don't get read. We also, uh, in the spirit of keeping with the owns related to these chapters, got one from wingnut underscore 89, Good. also known as Sebastian, who says, uh, Tyrion gets my own because... It's Tyrion. He he definitely uh, did it there. <laughs> Do we have an easy button around here? Where's the easy button? Kate loves that one. That was easy. Uh, on Facebook, let's go back. Shelly Bagke says, My own for both chapters, Tyrion 3, Catelyn 3, goes to Jane Westerling for following in her mother's footsteps and marrying above herself. Although I like to believe that she's actually in love with Rob, this is Westeros, so we know it's doomed either way. Right? Shelly, you're right. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, interior monologue gets an own in this tweet from Sonia Fishbar, who says, Catelyn chapter is so sad, owns to Catelyn for her wisdom, quote, is this the sound of a kingdom falling? <laughs> End quote. Hashtag more foreshadowing. And Sonia also wrote in, uh, for the Tyrion chapter, own goes to Littlefinger's key. Nah, JK, to Tywin and his brilliant <laughs> evil scheming. Yeah, the hammer's my penis. Like, the the key of to the east is my penis. The key maker. All right. Uh, also on Twitter, we heard from the Lady Ash, who says, Cat, 
own goes to Queen Jane's mother. Shan't say why, but she gets it. And uh, also Tyrion, coming from the Lady Ash, says own goes to Littlefinger's comment about having what Lysa wants between his legs. Man uses, <laughs> sorry, man uses what he has to achieve. Uh, I mean, talk to uh, talk to Cersei about all that. Not Dan H on Twitter says first one to Tywin for giving Mace a history lesson. Uh, I agree. Second goes to Jane for not being afraid to ask for help. Dan, that is so wise. Great. Oh, oh that's so good. Yeah. Joe Schaefer on Twitter says, in the cat chapter, no one gets my own. <laughs> in the Tyrion chapter goes to Littlefinger's machinations that all are coming together. Uh, I approve. That was a good tweet. Uh, Alexander Murphy says, my own goes to Kevin Lannister for being an awesome uncle and for giving Tyrion his much deserved praise after the Blackwater. How about, uh, Shane Epps, who says, first own Tywin, because kings come and go, but he stays on top. Hashtag like a sir. <laughs> That's a new rap. And uh, second goes to Sir Brendan, because he doesn't run River Run, but he, he does. does. He does. <laughs> and uh, Shane also threw in an honorable mention to the power of little fingers, little finger. Ayo. Uh, my favorite person. That's what, the little key? That's the other key. That's terrible. My favorite person in the entire world uh jeff lifefoot the teacher the social studies department chair teacher to be exact writes in and says Tyrion. i feel owned. like we say his name zach more than we say our own names on I, this show. that's true why not <laughs> Tyrion owned a taiwan and utter control of everything he plays mace that's what i would do tyrell like a flute is the Game of Thrones version of eHarmony basically tells everyone he has arranged for Rob Stark's death and is thankfully the one person who can shut Cersei up. That alone earns an own. Thank you, Jeff Lightfoot. Applause. I love that nickname, Mace. That's what I would do, Tyrell. <laughs> He's won a lot of uh, it's battles. very chapter-specific. Um, TR Washington on Twitter, who's sporting a bandana and some pretty killer kicking aviator shade, says, King Rob for doing the honorable deed of taking Rickard Card Stark's head, even if it might have cost him the war. Also, he says, my own goes to Littlefinger for owning the council with his false humility, charm, and the snazzy pointy beard to go with it. I agree. He looked pretty sharp. We also heard from Danny. Not our Danny, but Danny, who has a really sweet-looking Peter Dinklage oh, uh, yeah. avatar. And uh, he says, maybe a little late. No, you're not. You're never late. You're fine. Um, but my own goes to Tion Frey for trying to block a blade with his own arms. Oh. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to using Willem's arms. Uh, Wasn't he asleep like and that. that's why he did that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's be fair here. And uh, he says, also an own for Rob for at least killing the guy on the first blow, unlike Theon. Yeah, Theon's. he calls out yeah. Theon. <laughs> Though it does point out it did take three tries for Rob to actually sever the head, even though he killed him on the first blow. Tristan Lonnie writes in, uh, again, with a very fashionable own. He says, my own goes to Tyrion, because whatever, peace. And if Kate were still here with us, this is where she would have cackled like a hyena. She had to go cackle like a hyena at dinner. Insert Kate laughs. Um, <laughs> we got a tweet. Pretty much. Um, Sabrina wrote in to say, My students own my reading time, so many class tests to correct that I just didn't get anywhere near this week's chapter. We still love you. Hey, Sabrina. We still love you, and thank you for writing in to tell us that you weren't going to be able to write in with what we asked. <laughs> we you could have just wrote in what we asked. You could have made it up. You could have just understand. been like... You know, you got to read the chapter before you own. I feel like that's fair. I feel like that 
is an expectation that is not too high. Well, I mean, you could have either been like Tristan or been <laughs> yeah, like Tyrion Sebastian. Because whatever. <laughs> In the case of Sabrina, though, she could have chose this option. That's okay. I can't wait for future owns of Sabrina's to be perfect because she's well-read and has read the chapter and has prepped in time. So uh, if you want to get in touch with us and give us your owns like any of the uh, aforementioned people, you can do so Mm, by going to either twitter.com slash gameofowns or facebook.com slash gameofowns. And there is a third option. There is a third option. There's probably like four more to be fair. (laughs) Go (laughs) on. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) The email option is your third option that we're going to mention here. Contact at GameOfOwns.com is our email address. And we got an own here from Beth. My own for the Tyrion chapter goes to George R. R. Martin for connecting Westeros to points east with the history. Grandma Spicer was called Meiji. Meiji. Or Megai, like Miri Mazder was, question mark. Interesting. Interesting. For the Catelyn chapter, own goes to Jane's mom and Hoster Tully for better parenting through botanicals. <laughs> True. <laughs> Note how Jane's mom is giving her an herb smoothie every day to, quote, make her fertile, quote, oh, parenthesis, or does it? And throwing back to a previous Catelyn chapter, how Hoster went on about Tansy and the blood and you will have other babies. Note that we learn in the same chapter that Tansy is a flower. There's more, there's more that you can do with flowers than admire them, as anyone who's visited the Celestial Seasonings Tea Factory knows that's an... <laughs> yeah, she's asterisked it. Uh, she says, P.S., let me be clear to any lawyers listening that the flowers used in social seasonings. Teas are all wholesome and delicious, have no effect on reproduction whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> Beth, I have been part of a class action lawsuit from social seasonings before, uh, and I know exactly the pain you're speaking of. Actually, makes me wonder if you know about that, because that was a really good joke. <laughs> all right. Uh, we also hear from Erica, who says, I give my own for the Tyrion chapter to Tywin Lannister. He owns Cersei by telling her she will marry again. At least he gave her choices on who. He also owned Tyrion because Tyrion was enjoying Tywin torturing Cersei Mm. until his father turned on him with a marriage, too. Mm. Uh, For the Catelyn chapter, my own goes to Rob. He listened to his mother's opinion about what to do with Lord Karstark, but in the end, he did what he had to do and went with his gut, even though I think part of it was because Karstark just kept running his mouth and pissing Rob off. (laughs) Zach's thinking about pizza right now. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Erica, thank you for that email. Uh, and our last one from Aiden, he says, hello, my own for Tyrion goes to, that sounded like a, a, a like a pet name. Hello, my own for Tyrion goes to oh. Mace Tyrell as during this chapter, he's actually useful as he points out that Rob is just a king without a kingdom, but then remains the loose screw that he is. My own for Catelyn goes to Jane for straight out saying to Catelyn that she has tried to comfort Rob straight out telling Catelyn about their sexual time seems to be a thing with them to as few as chapters back as he came straight out and said that James comforted him after he heard about Brandon Rickon's death. <laughs> anyway, he put in quotes around all these words. It's very funny. Anyway, thanks for being awesome, and I'll spend the rest of my time praying that you manage to get through a storm of swords before season five. Hey, us oh, too, thank buddy. you. Please, everybody, send your prayers. We're working on it. Yeah, send us your prayers. He says, P.S., did you hear about the news about the main cast being given a pay rise and being signed for a possible seventh season? I'm also not sure how reliable my no- news sources are. Winky face. Iden, yes. Uh, I, I, yes. And I also send you back four winky faces and draw your own conclusions from there, sir. Yeah. No, um, Jane has no, was it shame about, uh, and neither does Rob about their love life. You know, like, I feel like that kind of thing is just open. You know, it's more spoken about in, in that, that society is more functional or realistic and not 
all that conservative. Well, she's the queen now, so eh, why be bashful? <laughs> and that's a sentiment for the rest of you. Why be bashful? So many of you have been writing in recently. We've got our, our giveaway that was so fun to be a part of. You know, I know that you came up with this idea, Zach, to give away all these gifts, and that was really brilliant. And I wanted to um, <laughs> make sure our listeners knew it was. And this isn't just a transition. Um, but I, I wanted to say that we recently put on our thinking caps, and we came up with a really, really, really awesome idea that we have now added over on our Patreon. Um, Patreon. To, Patreon. To the listeners who um, were thinking about supporting us. And uh, to those who already have and become our bannermen and our little birds, we do thank you, as always. Um, but over on patreon.com slash goo, uh, you can go and see our newest tier, which is, oh my gosh, should we, should we say it, guys? Yes, I think we should. That would be, I think that would be prudent. Micah, in your velvety blanket voice, why don't you tell the uh, listeners what the new Patreon tier is? My, what do you call it, velvety? Velvety blanket. That's Kate's term blanket. for it. Yes, and um, it's uh, quite uh, relevant, though, that that you would say that because um, this tier has, in fact, to do with with my voice as well as yours, Eric and and Zach Hello. and Kate's. We we'll we'll try and limit Kate on the amount of time she laughs uh, throughout <laughs> the uh, yeah. the course of of this particular tier. But it it's about us um, narrating and reading along the books. Uh, for you, this is going to be very interesting, and and I think a lot of us will get creative with uh, certain characters, and it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're excited. This is this is going to be like a fun a fun project because we get to uh, just tackle it and see what happens. And uh, know, some I'm... of you guys have already uh, hopped on board for that experience, and uh, we're going to be uh, this is it's something. It's it's going to be something. All right. I mean, you guys already put in a lot of hours listening to our voices, but. You know, we're reading these chapters for these episodes, and why not read them aloud and make that additional content? And content with such, I mean, you love Micah's Red Viper, don't you? I everybody. Do. Doesn't everybody love? Do. Tell your father I'm here. So who do you think is going to be reading that chapter in context with the full That's true. Full force That's exciting, narrator. actually. <laughs> Kate. Kate will be reading that, yes. No, I, I mean, I think it, it really gives us an opportunity to try out our impressions and get even more immersed into these books by having to proclaim. I don't know. I just think it's a really cool idea. And it was Kate's idea. So if you don't like it, just <laughs> yeah, take it up. Just feed at her and say mean stuff. She really likes that. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's just, it's just going to be fun because like, like Eric said, we read the chapters anyway. And this is a, a fun initiative. If you're not reading along with us, you're, you can hear along with us because it's going to happen either way. So, uh, hop on board if you'd like. And this way, you have no excuses for not reading the chapters. Yeah. We have no excuses <laughs> for not reading the chapters. And also, chapter two. I mean, how much more is there to say? It was amazingly fun. And I don't, was I, I wasn't on the episode last week, was I? Um, no, you were not. Yeah. So I didn't even have a chance to talk about it yet, but, uh, you guys did. And that was great. It was a lot of fun to make. And it was great to chop and screw uh, Eric's uh, beer review up some. It's just it's just a really <laughs> fun thing. I've showed people that don't know what Game of Thrones is, don't know who Eric is, don't know uh, what the hell is going on, but they're like, oh, wait, that's funny. And it's, uh, it is pretty funny. And all the other stuff in there was really exciting and fun for us to put together. And there's now over 100 of you that subscribe to that show. And that is just amazing and, and really cool. So thank you to all of you who have continued to support us and who will continue to support us. And uh, thanks to all of you who are considering it. It's uh, fun and it's not necessary, 
But it sure is fun. Endless gratitude. So uh, be sure to check us out at uh, patreon.com slash goo. And another place that you can be sure to uh, check us out and actually download this show is on iTunes, uh, where a number of you continue to leave your uh, (laughs) five-star ratings and reviews. It is the month of November now, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Don't be uh, bashful, a, guys. <laughs> a couple of more reviews in, uh, but I think we'll save them uh, for the next episode. Yeah. Uh, get a few more in and, and read through a bunch of them. But uh, we always enjoy hearing your feedback about the show, especially um, you know from new listeners who come on board. Um, it's always great to uh, you know hear that feedback and see what you guys think about uh, what we have to say. And uh, it's a great resource for those who are looking for some off-season Game of Thrones content to know that we're out there and that we enjoy what we're doing and we enjoy the fact that you listen to us and we enjoy interacting with you and, and reading all your tweets and res- and Facebook posts and emails and responding to them. Um, that's what, uh, you know, that's really what we have the most fun doing. I mean, hell, we, we enjoy talking about the chapters, but... You know, we really enjoy the part where we get to uh, interact with you guys. I'd also like to add your crazy usernames on iTunes are always cool to read. So if you want to be funny. Uh, yeah, how do I get a crazy username on I iTunes? I don't know, but they're wonderful. I, to, uh, I need to figure that out. Not to mention, I really like recording with you guys. So the more you guys support the show, the more you're supporting this wonderful habit I've been able to form in my life, which is making a show with some of my best friends. So thank you, everyone. We say it all the time, but uh, the, this offseason has been wonderfully exciting, and, and the uh, activity is higher than ever, and we could ask for nothing more. So pat yourselves collectively right behind your back shoulder, just on that right side. Just give it a little tap. Doesn't matter if it feels weird. Tap, tap, tap Just give it a tap, tap, tap I did want to say thank you to everybody on our behalf who went out to uh, listen to the Watchers on the Wall Awards uh, the other night that uh, Kate, Micah, and myself, Zach, were all part of. Micah was wasn't there. Except Micah wasn't there. Yeah. Except <laughs> he was there in spirit. He's kind of in the room when he's not in the room. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Yeah. But uh, Like, he's here right now. Check it out. Micah, what's up, dude? What's up? Hey, what's going on? Nice to see you. Yeah, no, I, I heard that those awards were a lot of fun. So uh, I'm sorry that I, I missed out on that. But I was uh, uh, duty called as far as uh, as work was concerned. Micah but, was running uh, marathons with NBA players, being important. <laughs> that's exactly what <laughs> giving I was doing. A, giving out PlayStation 3. Giving out PlayStation 4s. Four. All right. <laughs> And being a boss. Um, But um, I'm excited. Next week, um, we go back to Jamie, who we haven't seen in a while, and uh, Arya, who we saw not too long ago. Yeah, too much Arya. Jamie and Arya, definitely uh, send us your owns through any um, way that you see fit, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, email. You could tattoo your owns onto your body and then take pictures and post them (laughs) on Instagram. Hashtag Game of Owns. We'll we'll source them. This is getting out of hand. Get creative, people. So is it, as long as it's not too lame for us to say thank you again, thank you so much. And please stay tuned, because we'll be back next week. And we do stuff. I just don't even know what to say. Someone else it's Game of Owns. We do stuff. There you go. Say bye, Kate. Good, good night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kate. I'm Kate. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. All right, bye. All right, bye.
lentils. Did you just say say lentils, Kate? <laughs> what lentils? No, my cat. <laughs> my cat. Uh, my cat would be an awesome. That would be a great name for him. But no, he's just being a, a douchebag to my gecko right now. Leave the alone. I just want to say, since we're on a pet break, Strike has, I'm not even kidding. He has been strutting around my office with his dentabone, like big ass bone, like hide bone in his mouth, just like strutting, rolling his shoulders and like head back and forth Disney movie shit. He's really bad that I'm ignoring him. And he's just like throwing his bone and being loud about it. Like Oliver and company. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. He's just marching. It's like, what are you doing, man? He's looking at me like, hey, you talking about me? All right, sorry. Pet break over. Pet break over. <laughs> Thanks for that pet break. <laughs> I needed it. <laughs> clap. 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 Yeah. Clap. That was good. That was good. Clap. You guys like those pictures, those, pan- those panda bears? I like mm. pandas. 